What's up? It's episode 121, pain points of wealth, and the economy continues to remain strong. The jobs market continues to surprise everyone with a hot jobs number this past week, and inflation continues to come down. Every naysayer out there still skeptical of what kind of condition the economy is in. You know how we feel. We're optimistic, but we're going to talk about it today. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about picking your financial independence date. When can you stop working, live off your portfolio? What do you need to be thinking about? Check it out. We got a phenomenal show. Hey guys, you know what we're dealing with? We're dealing with the most hated bull market in my career, right? You listen to all these experts. They refuse to believe that the market uh, is in a bull market uh, because, you know, they're not wrong. They're just early. <laughs> I mean, that could be the theme of our show. Bob, Chris, and Ryan talk about how economists and strategists do a terrible job predicting the future. Um, but yeah, no, it's really just been more and more of that. And what blows my mind is, I mean, let's be real. That jobs report that we saw this past week um, was super hot. No one predicted that we we're going to see another 300,000 plus jobs created in the economy, which speaks to the fact that you know people are making money right now. But every economist strategist keeps saying, well, maybe the recession will be another month from now, two months from now, three months from now. Why can't they just change their opinion? Why can't they listen to our podcast and realize they've been wrong, guys? Well, I think it also depends what industry you're in. I have a client that they own a, a contracting company, but they also own substantial real estate holdings uh, for vet investment purposes. And you know, the real estate market is in a recession right now. So therefore, that affects their outlook on the entire market. But on the other hand, their construction business is booming and they can't even find people. It's a really good point, Chris. But you know what? Let's have a moment of silence for the perma bears and the <laughs> pessimist. I mean, it's really hard, right, to be wrong. I mean, it's really hard to game the market. Um, they've been, you know, refusing to believe that we've, you know, we've been in a bull market. They believe that it's just a bear market rally. And, you know, look at all what the naysayers have been saying. You know, hey, the PE ratio is too high. The breath has been too narrow. Um, the feds, you know, Hey, they might pause, but you know, it's, um, they're going to keep raising rates. You know, the market never bottoms before the recession starts and the recession's straight around the corner. Um, so, you know, every time they think they have, you know, the, the news they want, you know, like a couple of banks failed. Oh my God, they had, you know, they're ready. Right. And then the market just, you know, grabs victory out of their mouth of defeat. Um, so it's really hard to be them right now. And, you know, let's, Let's you know be a little sympathetic. All right, I'm done. Let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> well, no, I think the interesting part about it is if the market was going to sell off, it would have done it by now, right? Like to your point, sure. we had we've had a banking crisis, we've had a war in Eastern Europe, we had record higher inflation that we haven't seen in 40 years. Uh, yet the market's been relatively resilient, and so have people, right? I mean, even in the face of the extreme inflation that we experienced over the last 12 months. Uh, in face of all the uncertainty we've heard out there, you know, what we've seen is we've seen people being very, very resourceful, right? If you're a business right now, you're seeing record revenues. I mean, that's all we've seen every quarter is companies are generating more and more revenue than they ever did before. And even with it, you know wages going up, trying to manage the supply chains, they've done a really good job of keeping profitability relatively high. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to is you want to bet on the resourcefulness of people 
not on the naysayers thinking that like the world's going to end because people are just, they're too resourceful for that to happen. You know what, that I think actually we should be thankful to those bears out there because they always did say that he who dies, or excuse me, he who has the most shares wins. And you know, if they're not willing to pick up those shares, that's more for us. That's true, Chris. It's all about wealth creation and wealth creation is about accumulating those shares while they're cheap. But, you know, I watch day in and day out. You know, I see these pundits, you know, on the news channels. And let's face it, you know, when you're an optimist, which we tend to be, you know, people think you're trying to sell them something. When you're a pessimist, they think, oh, you're they're trying to help you out. So it's, you know, it's more comforting to be a pessimist. And they keep trying to find reasons why their pessimism, yeah. uh, you know, will be rewarded. Like, for example, you know, the mega eight stocks have been booming, right? We've had the, the artificial intelligence rally. So that, you know, the big tech stocks are back. And the pessimists were pointing out the other day, well, you know, there's very little breath in the market. In other words, there's, they're the only companies that are going up. But meanwhile, you've got a lot of industries that are up double digits this year. Home builders, casinos, healthcare supplies, construction and equipment. You know, it's like they don't want to face the facts. They just want to, you know, make their own music, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it's even crazier. I mean, we talked about this before, the French stock market, the German stock market. Germany's in a recession and their stock market's at an all-time record higher. It's actually outpacing the U.S. market this year. And even crazier, I was just with my good friend who lives in Greece. The Greek stock market is the best-performing stock market in the world now. It's up almost 30% for the no. year. That's and amazing. They've cut their GDP, uh, their debt-to-GDP from like 170% down to some normal number. They actually look better than the U.S. right now from a debt perspective. Who would have guessed a couple of years ago Greece right now would be rocking and rolling but it's just like the world can always surprise you and it can o and it typically surprises you in the positive, not the negative. That's the crazy part. Well, you know, what's funny about that, right? I met with a client last week and he pointed out how well uh, the international sector is doing. And he's like, you know, do you think it's a good time to get out of that? You know, it's really had a great run here. You know, it's hit like crazy <laughs> highs. I'm like, no, you should look at the PE ratios. It's still pretty cheap. You know, it's kind of like back in 2015 when we had clients say, you know what? The market's not going to go any higher. We are at a top here. And it ran for another Seven years. Yeah. Well, see, that's the biggest problem I see with investors is their only source of information is bad information, right? You have people that are <laughs> pandering to your fears. So, you know, I, I spoke to a client the other day and, you know, he had uh, some money for his company, and we, which we wanted to keep short term, wanted to get out of the banks just to get some yield. And he's like, don't put me in any banks, Bob. I only want to buy treasuries because I don't want to wait, you know, for my money if a bank fails. I mean, they think a lot of FDIC banks are going to fail. So, you know, people are, oh, wow, you get a 5.4% uh, three-month treasury. That, that's a great investment. Meanwhile, you got stocks on sale. You got bonds on sale. Um, so it, it really impacts how you perform in your portfolio because you're getting bad information almost on a daily basis. Well, the only thing that concerns me is, uh, you know, chat GBT and AI is going to take over my job. So, you know, other than that, I feel really, really good because, you know, computer program, I mean, I think you definitely, definitely replicate Chris. I mean, that's pretty easy. Um, but maybe for you and me, Bob, we, we, we're a little more insulated. But, you know, I'm getting a little tired, I have to be honest with you, about hearing about AI. Like, it's this new thing. Isn't artificial intelligence been around forever? You know, right. I'll tell you what, the only, thing, the only thing that AI applies to you is definitely the artificial part. The intelligence, definitely not. <laughs> I try to be as superficial as possible, Chris. So I think that is a compliment. All right. Come on, guys. Play nice for a change, will you? You know, you're making me look bad as a dad. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a thing, you know, AI has been around for a while. I mean, you know, remember all the IBM commercials on Watson years ago? I mean, it's been years uh, since artificial intelligence has been developing. And it's continued to develop. It's going to be a tool like anything else. It's going to enhance people's jobs. Sure, it'll replace some jobs. It'll make, it'll create other jobs and other opportunities. But, 
you know, of course, Wall Street, you know, takes some new idea. And of course, you have to look at the, you know, the available market, right? The runway um, that's going to happen. Suddenly, you got a stock like NVIDIA that was down two thirds of its value last year is now up two trillion or up, up to one trillion in value suddenly overnight. Um, and valuations suddenly don't matter again. So again, there's always going to be gambling. There's always going to be, you know, rolling of the dice when it comes to investing in new ideas. But you know, when it comes to the Wall, when it comes to Wall Street, guys, there are no new errors. There are no new fads. You know, markets will all revert to the mean. It's all about stock markets. It's about markets, not about individual stocks. Well, it's a great point because I mean, obviously, technology's had a big run this year. But the one thing you can't ignore is how crazy high the valuations are. And to your point, Bob, if we look to the past, anytime valuations get to those levels, like Amazon trades at 70 times forward earnings, you know, put that in English, that's like ridiculously expensive. You know, typically stocks don't do well when, they're, when their valuations get that high. Look at Microsoft. I mean, after tech bubble burst in 2000, you know, that company, they increased their revenue by like 120% over the next 10 years. But the stock went down 50%. And it went down 50% because the valuation was so high, it took a whole decade for the valuation to get normalized again. And that's your big risk in tech right now, is it could just languish. Even though you're getting a big rebound now, what well, could be a no nowhere's land for like a very, very long period of time. And if history is our guide, that's probably highly likely. Well, you know, guys, I mean, you know, call me foolish, but I believe in buying low. Um, and so meanwhile, when you have one area of the market doing really well, you got other areas of the markets that are on sale and, you know, the market's forward looking. And right now, when you look at forward earnings, they're being increased month after month, you know, by the analysts, they're no longer cutting forward earnings. So not only are a lot of the rest of the market, not a lot of companies are cheap, they're cheaper than they were when we started this podcast. So, you know, there's, you know, the whole idea is to buy low, diversify, you know, own companies that are going to go up in the future. You don't want to buy yesterday's winner. You want to own tomorrow's winners. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 121, Pain Points of Wealth. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach, and you're thinking to yourself, I need to get my portfolio reviewed. Well, if you saved over a million dollars, myself, Chris, and Bob will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. If you're planning on retirement, we'll put together a full investment game plan, an income game plan, to show you how you can optimize your income from Social Security, from your portfolio, build you an income plan so you don't run out of money. We'll look at diversification. Has your portfolio gotten hit hard in the last two years? as markets have been extremely volatile. We'll do a full diversification analysis of your portfolio compared to ours, give you a full game plan so you grow your money over time, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life, get you properly diversified, and we'll look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost products and those annuities, insurance products, mutual funds, structured products. We're going to do a deep dive of every investment you own to you how to reduce the cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. We're going to give you our full tax playbook, and then we're going to tie it all together into one total financial master plan. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan if you've saved over a million dollars for your financial independence. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. 
having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, you know, one of the biggest problems that we solve for the thousands of families that we work for here at Payne Capital Management is determining what's the safe date that you can be financially independent, where you could walk away from your job and, you know, proverbial live off the land. I think that's today. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I just, you know, developed this new AI financial advisor that will replace Chris and so much smarter, so much more charismatic. It's amazing. Uh, so good luck, Chris. Clearly didn't learn it from you. And guys, that's why investing is such a common sense approach when it comes to the way we invest, the way we design portfolios, because it's all about achieving individual goals and expectations. Um, and you should always design the portfolio strategy as the highest probability of achieving your goals. doesn't matter what your neighbor does. doesn't matter what you're watching on, on TV. So, you know, the first thing you have to do is you have to know how much you're spending, or as one of my buddies says, you know, what's your burn rate? Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have a clue what you're spending, and I would say probably 99% of the people that I meet with the first time don't have a clue what they spend. And if, if they do think they know, it's usually much higher, but knowing what you spend, you know, directly correlates to how much... Yeah money you're going to need at retirement for that to be sustainable for, you know, 20, 30 years when you are retired. Well, no, you brought up a good point too. I mean, it's not just about like what you spend, but it's also trying not to keep up with the Joneses. I think that's one of the biggest problems that I see with a lot of you when you're trying to figure out what your goals and dreams are, is you get caught up with, well, you know, my friend over here, he just bought another boat. Could be Chris, if that's the case. Uh, he bought another house. Uh, or she, you know, she has, uh, they, they just bought a new place out, out East in the Hamptons or whatever it is. I think you really have to determine what's important to you. And I think most of us don't take time, the time to do that because I think it becomes a much easier process when you kind of look at it in a vacuum and think about exactly what you want and build your plan around that, not what other people want. Yeah, that's exactly right, Ry. I mean, you know, Dad, you and I were taking a walk on the beach last weekend. And one of the things we talked about is how, you know, some of our most you know, wealthy clients are the people that don't drive the fancy cars or have the biggest houses. You know, it's the people that are, you know, keen to keep more keen to save money rather than go out and spend it and try to, uh, you know, impact their image. Guys, can it be really that simple? It's all about savings, patient, have an optimistic view about the future of the global economy. Well, maybe it is, but you know, it, the devil's in the details, right? So the devil is, you know, how much can you save? You know, what will your healthcare costs be in retirement? When should I take Social Security? You know, how should I, you know, which, which claiming strategy should I use? You know, what will my tax rate be in retirement? Uh, you know, what are my returns going to be going forward, right? How long will my money last? So there's a lot of questions, you know, that have to be asked on an annual basis. Yeah. And that's really what planning is, right? It's about, it's about putting together a strategy that works on your goals. And you got to, you know, you got to factor in your expectations. Yeah. And then that's the complicated part is because we are living longer and healthcare is going to be a much bigger burden on your portfolio than it was for your parents. Like, let's face it, because you live longer, you're going to have more health issues. That means that's yep. going to be more pressure on your portfolio. And we talk about this all the time. And I was just thinking about, uh, you know, we have a an uncle who's who's in his 80s, he's away in, I think he's in Turkey right now or somewhere in the Middle East right now. I saw it on Facebook is, you know, your spending doesn't really go down in retirement. We talk about this all the time, but your lifestyle somehow it matches when you were working because now you go on trips, you spoil the grandkids. And I think that's one assumption a lot of us don't make is we're going to spend the same amount in retirement, but most of you do well into your 80s. Like it's not going to slow down like you think it is. Well, there's other things you got to think about, right? It's not just you know, thinking about your children and your grandchildren, 
You may have a family member. You may have a brother and sister that, you know, didn't do as well as you did. You know, it's going to be dependent on you or it may come to you for help. Um, you know, you might have an aging parent that, uh, you know, is not in good shape. So there's lots of different, you know, scenarios. That's why every plan is unique, why you're a unique individual and your plan has to be unique. But, you know, you have to get it down to the sleeping point. You have to be able to focus on, you know, how am I going to spend my life where rather than worried about, you know, how am I going to spend my money, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's definitely about quality of life. You know, it's definitely about trying to enjoy the same lifestyle that you have while you're working, you know, being able to translate that in retirement, you know, enjoy all the fruits of your labor. Yeah. And then yeah, numbers- I think, you know, guys, the other thing is, it's, you know, is changing the, the goalpost, right? You know, you got to get comfortable with who you are, where you want to be. Um, I do have plans that I do every year where the client moves the goalpost on me every year. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's like kind of like chasing your tail, right? So, you know, as you talked about earlier, right? It's like, you know, when you, you, when you talk about your neighbor, and I, th- I think that's really scarcity, uh, sometimes it's jealousy, right? And, you know, I don't know about you, but I haven't heard anybody ask me, what do you think about putting money in crypto? Right. But why were we getting those questions a couple of years ago? Greed. Right. It's like, oh, I can I can get a huge winner here and I can retire earlier. Or if I take just a little more risk here, maybe we get to my goals quicker. And, you know, there's not really a lot of shortcuts when it comes to, to getting to your goals. But I think the nice thing about running those financial numbers is they don't lie. <laughs> they they kind of tell you where you're at right now. And I think that's why like, like a lot of people don't like to do financial planning because it's a little too real. But it's better to know where you are, whether you have a shortfall or don't have a shortfall. Like it's better to run the numbers and get an idea where you actually are at. Because you know, with a lot of people that come and sit down with us, what we'll find out is like number one, um, okay, you can't get your goals right now. Like maybe you wanted to retire this year, but you need to work longer. But knowing that and then putting that game plan around how we're gonna get you to those goals is huge, right? It's just better to know than put your head in the sand. And I think that's where a lot of us have a lot of reticence to actually sit down is because like, we don't want to know where we stand, but you feel a lot better when you do. Yeah. And it, you know, it's not always so black and white either. Like I have a client of mine that's just, you know, he's making great money, but he's just not in love with his job anymore. And we sat down and figured out that as long as he works for another five years and maybe makes a little less money, doesn't have to put money in his 401k, but just doesn't touch his portfolio, he's going to be in really good shape and he's going to be a lot happier because he's doing something that he really loves. Well, you know, guys, there's one word that comes up all the time. It's a, it's a very unique idea. How about enough? You know, what's enough, right? I mean, you got to focus on, you know, having enough for you. And I think that's what you really do have to get comfortable with. Because, you know, the other expression I hear all the time is scared money never wins. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're never comfortable that you have enough because you don't do any planning, right? You're never going to let your money work. You're not going to have the patience to let it work. Or if you don't do any planning and you're scared, uh, that you didn't do the right things with your money earlier, you start to take outlying risk. You know, you start making bad decisions. So getting comfortable with the concept of enough is really important when you're doing financial planning because let's face it, guys, your results are all about your emotions. And how you control yeah. your emotions really controls your returns. Yeah, which is tying your goals back to your actual investment strategy. Like I have one client, I, I must feel like it's masochist, uh, masochistic. Did I say that correctly? Uh, yes. Yes, just making sure for, for the record. Um, you know, every he wants to retire every year. He doesn't like his job. He's ready to retire. He's early 60s. And he wants to have a really comfortable retirement. Like he wants to be able to spend a lot, even more than when he's working right now. And every year on the numbers and say, we're just not there yet. Um, and he wants to retire like yesterday. Uh, but every time I run the numbers for him, um, you know, he, he gets mad. <laughs> he gets mad at me. But then he works another year and then we're one year closer 
So I, I think being very real about where you are um, makes you can suffer through maybe another year or two of work, even if you don't want to. Uh, if you know that you're going to have that more insulated retirement later, to your point, Bob, you don't want to feel scared in retirement where you're really pushing your returns because you're trying to live it at a lifestyle that's above and beyond what you have. That's like the worst place to be. You want to insulate it. I think that's the key is how do you insulate it so that like whatever happens, whatever monkey wrench happens to you in retirement, you know, you've got that war chest that's been put together correctly. Sounds like to me, guys, you know, happiness is a well-planned client. All right, it's the Hidden Facts of Finance. Random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, you have to go back to the early 1950s and Harry Truman's second term to find a presidential approval rating of just 37% while joblessness was as low as it is today. So we got a low president approval rating. We have low unemployment. I don't know what that means. Well, I'll tell you, well, here's what it means, right? We've been in a big booming bull market since I was born, because I was born in 1953. The Dow is about 600. Now it's close to 34,000. Um, and we've had different people sitting in the White House each and every one of those four-year periods. So it just goes to prove it doesn't matter who sits in the White House. It doesn't matter what their approval rating is. The only thing that matters is that we have someone sitting in that chair. Uh, we're in a big booming bull market. We've been in one my whole life. We've been in one all of your lives. And guess what? It's going to continue because the world doesn't end very often. I like that. As long as you have a president, you should be bullish on the markets. Writing that down, Bob, duly noted. Uh, Chris, the average price of a round trip trip to Europe now is $1,167. That's 36% higher than the same time before the pandemic in 2019. Sounds like a lot of Americans are going to Europe. In fact, I think you are this weekend. Well, this is a classic example of uh, too many dollars tasting too, too few goods. And, you know, during the pandemic, you know, so many pilots retired. You don't have as many flights anymore, coupled with the fact that we've got some inflation and you've got a lot of higher prices. But I think the saddest part about this whole thing is that Ryan can no longer fly first class wherever he goes. <laughs> you would think you would think I wouldn't, Chris, but uh, I'm willing to pay the higher expenditure because, you know what, I deserve it. Um, you know, Chris, I got Chris. I got to check. I got to check the records because I'm pretty sure he flew first class when he just came back from France last week. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Look, we're going from you check your account, to, Dad. <laughs> we're going from pelotons to planes. Everyone's spending their money on traveling now. In fact, American Airlines just up their guidance for the year. Again, money's being spent in the economy. No recession. Okay, Chris, for the or Bob rather, for the first time in 40 years, U.S. debt servicing costs are rising. Interest absorbed 12.7% of tax revenue in April, up sharply from 11.7% a year earlier, leaving less room for other spending. Historically, when net interest costs reach 14% of revenue, financial markets have imposed austerity on the government. Maybe we're getting close to the government actually dealing with our huge amount of debt. I don't know. I hope so, Rye, because you know what? I, I taught you guys, you know, I give you a credit card. You have to pay it off every month. You don't let, uh, you know, you just keep spending because you have a card that, that works. Uh, the federal government should learn something about personal finance because we're all held to a standard that they're not. And I think that uh, yeah. hopefully the markets will hold them, uh, you know, stop spending to reduce the debt because I think it's the biggest threat to our democracy. Yeah, I agree. When Greece's debt to GDP is lower than yours, it's time to reconsider. All right, gentlemen, great show. If you love our podcast, and of course you do, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment there. Please say something positive if you like our podcast. 
on Spotify, you can subscribe to our channel. This is YouTube right now. You can like the episode. You can subscribe to our channel. Click that notification bell to be updated every week of all our new content. That's it for this week. Stay loose. And as always, keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.